Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Simple Church. Welcome. So glad you guys are here this morning. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to take a moment before we get into what we're doing today to uh, take an opportunity to greet all those of you that are watching online and even all of our guests that are here today. Come on, Simple Church. Let's greet each other. Yeah. Glad to be in the house today. Who is glad that we have kids ministry today? Anybody excited about that? Yeah. I thought there might be some families excited about that. Yeah, me too. I'm very thankful for our team. Um, you know, you get into this and you start declaring, "Where hey, we're going to do a thing, we're going to reach a community, and uh, you would not believe the challenges that have presented themselves as we said, we're going to go ahead and move forward with kids' ministry and um, the planning and execution of that. Uh, the enemy is shooketh, I will say, and he is upset and is doing everything he can to try to stop it, but I'm thankful for our team that is uh, wise and capable and uh, are executing well this morning despite any of the challenges. So can we, can we let our pastoral team and our kids ministry team know that we love them this morning for being good problem solvers and troubleshooting? Like, man, I'm really thankful for them this morning. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, there's, so not only is kids ministry back, there's a couple things you need to know. First of all, if it's your first time here or maybe you've been hanging out with us for a while and you've never done this, uh, but I would encourage you to reach into the seat back in front of you. You're going to find what's called a Connect card. And if you'll take a moment to fill that out and drop it off at the Connect Center, which is this big banner thing as you walked in today. Uh, if you stop at the Connect Center, um, it also says it on it, by the way, it's real hard to miss. Uh, we've got a gift for you. We'd love to, to give you a gift, say thank you for being here, help you uh, get connected with what we're doing here as a church, and just uh, welcome you to the family. So feel free to do that at any time during the message. If you're watching online, uh, you can fill out the digital connect card that's in the description of the video. There's a link there for you. But, uh, but there's a couple things. Kids ministry is not the only thing that's back. Uh, we also are very excited that the launch of our grow groups is in two weeks. And what that means is uh, that today... Today and next Sunday are our preview Sundays, or what we call our tent sale, because there's a big purple tent out in the lobby, y'all. And if you pass that, um, you, you may have noticed that it goes like right up into our ceiling, which uh, thankful we have drop ceiling for that to happen. But, uh, but if you stop by the tent on the way out today, you can talk to all of our leaders uh, about what groups they're leading, and, and so you can preview them. Now, here's the thing. You can register. Registration's open today. Is that right? Can I get a confirmation on that? So, yes, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, pay attention, no attention to the man behind the curtain. Um, it's all me. I do it all. <laughs> um, but see, you can stop buying your previews, but, but listen, don't wait until groups launch in two weeks. Get registered immediately because these groups do have a tendency to fill up. So uh, make sure you do that. Also, Ignite Student Ministry is back this Sunday. Uh, so they start, that's at 7 p.m. tonight here in the building. Is that right? Fantastic. Uh, and then also Growth Track. Man, Growth Track is back. So we're very excited about that. 
uh, we are, if you look over here in this area, we've actually transformed this corner of the room so that after service on Sundays, we'll be able to do growth track right there. There'll be a, a big conference table and chairs for you to gather around. Uh, but we will do them, uh, we used to do them congruent with service at this time until our, our building is finished and the walls are up and all those things. We're going to do it after service. And so what Growth Track is, is a, is a simple way for you to understand who we are as a church. Uh, and I'll talk more about that, but, but we would love for you to go into Growth Track. That starts on the first of February, the first Sunday in February. And uh, we do that the first, second, third, and fourth Sundays of every month. And we're excited Growth Track is back. So very, very cool. Uh, it's a, it's a Exciting season here at Simple Church to have all these things back in place, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to see what God is going to do as a result. Well, let's jump into what we're talking about today. We are in this series called The Best Year Ever, and uh, I believe that if you're going to have the best year of your life, that it needs to be the best year of your life spiritually. The reason for that is, is because we are not earthly beings having a spiritual experience on Sunday. We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience. Our spirit is something inside of us that is eternal. It will live on long after we die, in fact, for eternity, and that is forever. It's a long time. And because we know we will live somewhere in eternity for way longer than we are on this earth, it's important that we pay attention to our spiritual lives, that we give attention to them, that we are intentional about the journeys that we are on. And so, man, if you want to have the best year of your life, have the best year of your life spiritually. And so we're in week three of this series, uh, and also we start today, week three of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so if you were not aware of that and you want to start joining us today, it'll run, it runs today through uh, Saturday is our last week. Uh, but you can, even if you, you didn't do the, the previous 14, you can join us this last seven uh, be committed in, in a time of prayer, a daily time of prayer. We're, we're gathering online on Facebook at 7 a.m. to pray together. Uh, and, uh, and then at 9 a.m. on Saturdays, we're here in the building. We'd love to have you join us to prioritize prayer. We, we have a saying around here. We call it pray first, right? Because prayer is not our last resort. It is our first response. Amen, everybody? And so prayer is important to us, and, and I would love to see more people join us uh, in person on Saturday mornings for that time because it's a great time of prayer. Uh, but, but So we're in week three of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Fasting means we're giving up something, we're fasting food, or we're fasting something that we usually consume either through our eyes and our ears, but it's, it's typically food. So you can join us for that. More information is available on our website or stop by the Connect Center if you'd like to participate with us and ask some questions about how you can join 21 days of prayer and fasting this last week. Uh, but we're in week three of this series, and our key verse, I want to read it to you, is Ephesians 6, uh, verses 13 through 14. It says, for this reason, so there's a reason for it, okay? It, Paul's not giving instructions just to, to, to give instructions, just to be the guy in charge and tell people what to do. There, there's actually a reason behind it. There's a because. There's a why. He said, for this reason, take up all the armor that God supplies. God's got a lot of stuff in his arsenal for us to protect ourselves with. And it says, then... So if you'll do that, then you'll be able to take a stand during these evil days. And this is the third week I am declaring, and I'm telling you, we are in some evil days. If you do not believe that, just look at the news, look at the world around you. We are in some evil days, and you're going to need some armor. He says, once you've overcome all obstacles, you'll be able to stand your ground. So then, take your stand. He's yelling at this point. He gets excited. Paul's passionate. Fasten truth around your waist like a belt. Put on God's approval as your breastplate, and he goes on to talk about all the things that will protect you. 
that I think that, that if we're going to have the best year spiritually, one of the things we need to learn to do is to take a stand for our faith. That culture is ever shifting away from God's ways and God's best for our lives. And as culture continues to shift and as they continue to put pressure on us to be like them, to bow to their will and their way, what we're going to have to learn to do is to stand, to stand for God's ways. Now, I want to be very clear here. I've had several conversations after services, and I want to take just a moment that, that I did use something that's going on in our world today to compare to what happened in our story. And I'll talk about our story here in a moment. And somebody had a conversation with me and said, listen, I feel like you need to make it clear that you're not telling people to rise up against our government, to take a stand against our government. And I'm not doing that at all. I'm talking about standing for your faith. And as you may be laughing, but I think I lack some clarity. So I'm just offering some clarity here. I wasn't saying take a stand against our government. I was using it as an example to say here's the government mandating something that they're asking us to do and that I think that it's practice for a day when it will be about our faith. And that's just bringing some clarity to that, that I think we need to take a stand in our faith. Am I clear, everybody? I'm not telling you to go out and revolt against the government and to storm the Capitol. Like, I would, if that was what I was saying, I promise you, there would not have been a week two of this message. <laughs> the feds would have been at my door, and I would have been behind some bars like this, right? So uh, that's, that's not what I'm communicating. What I'm saying is we need to learn to stand in our faith. We need to learn to stand for God's ways. We need to learn to stand in the face of culture that is demanding for us to bow. Otherwise, we be our, they threaten to cancel us. That's what I'm talking about. We need to learn to stand against culture. We need to learn to stand against the world's system. Because the world, what they're offering is contrary to God's best for our life. And so in this series so far, here's the story. It's the story of, of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The, these were Jewish boys who were exiled from their home country by a conquering country called Babylon. The point of doing this was to bring the intelligent, to bring those that, that were influential at their home and bring them to Babylon and have them bend and bow to their culture to conform them to the way that they live their lives so they would send them back and then Israel would become a Babylonian province, not just a, a country that was under oppression, you follow? It was about transformation. It was about trans taking their culture and their language and their ways and their religion and bringing it back to that country so that they would become fully Babylonian and wouldn't resist and wouldn't fight. They didn't know that these Jewish boys had a God that was way bigger than anything they'd ever tangled with. And so they brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if you're VeggieTales fans, Rakshak and Benny. <laughs> brought them, and King Nebuchadnezzar decided he's going to establish this new religion. That He's got a statue that's golden. It's made like him, and when the music plays, everybody's supposed to bow, and Rakshak and Benny, they, they defy. They said, we're not going to bow. And they chose to believe that Hey, God is able and willing to rescue us from this fire. God is able to save us from this situation. And if you were here the first week or if you know the story, you know that they, were, they, were tried, they tried to cancel them. They tried to throw them into a fiery furnace, but God saved them. The Bible says that not a hair on their head was singed and they didn't even smell like smoke. That's my favorite part of being near a campfire, the smelling like smoke afterwards, right? Anybody attest to what I'm saying? That's a great smell, man. I want to capture that. Put it in a candle. I want to have... I want to have some essential oils that I can wipe right here and smell it all the time. Somebody needs to make it for me, okay? I'm just saying. If you figure it out, God bless you. But it says they didn't even smell like smoke. 
that God rescued them from the fire. And so it's like, okay, they took the challenge. They stood, and as a result of standing, there was a benefit of standing. Not only did God rescue them, they didn't bow when culture said bow, because I think we want, we want to say, well, if I bow now, I'll be able to stand later, and that's, you've already lost if you do that. Your reputation, it's out the window. Well, do you really believe this God thing? Because, I mean, you're bowing in this area right here, and this is contrary to God's best for your life. Are you really bought in? Is he really king of kings? Is he really lord of lords? You have to learn to stand. And so these guys stood. And not only did they benefit from it, but the entire country. Nebuchadnezzar pointed to God and said, glorify God. Their God's the right one. He saved them from the fire, right? There were some benefits that came from it. So we need to learn to stand in our faith. Because there are some challenges. Culture's going to try to cancel you. You're going to wind up in a fire, but Jesus will be with you through it. And so there's some benefits from that. Listen to that message if you missed it. The second message was, how did they do that? How did, were they able to walk through that? Well, it's going to take trust. We need to have trust, with, trust in God that he is able and that he's willing to rescue us when culture tries to cancel us, when the fires come down on you because they will. When you stand for God's ways, there's hell to pay. I believe it. And so culture's coming along, and they're going to they're gonna try to cancel you. How do you stand underneath that fire? Well, you've got to trust. And the way that you get into a place where you trust God with that is you have some experiences with him. In fact, the, the scriptures that speak of us knowing God, it's not about knowing him in an educational way, knowing him in a scholarly way, knowing what the chapter and verse is and where it says this. It's about knowing him experientially. I can know a lot about you guys by watching on your social media, but the best way and the way that I will know you intimately and in the way that Scripture is talking about us knowing God is for me to have experiences shared with you, not where I'm a voyeur watching your life from a distance. I can know information about you or I can know you. There's a difference here. And they knew God. They knew that God was able and willing to deliver them because they had some experiences from him and they refused to bow no matter what. Today, today what I want to talk about is you're going to have the best year ever. If you're going to stand, you got to trust God. But you know what you also need? You need people. I want to talk to you today about your relationships. Because it can be the best year of your life if you understand your need for relationships and how to operate within them. But before I can do that, I want to help you understand why you need people. Why you are so, why your future, why your purpose, why your passion, why everything that God has for you is interconnected with, and the fulfillment that Jesus promised that you and I could have is bound up in people and our connections with others. And I want to give you a little bit of a psychology lesson, a lesson, I, it's something I've talked about before, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but never so clearly as I have today. And it's interesting. When, when we talk about psychology, if this is your first time here, maybe you're like, oh, is this one of those self-help churches? Because if you're not preaching Jesus, I'm out. <laughs> I, I understand that because I understand that that's what gets preached at a lot of, a lot of at some churches, right? I don't want to say a lot, but some churches, this self-help stuff. And what I, what I want to do is I'm sharing psychology because psychology is actually caught up with what the Bible has been saying for thousands of years. So I'm going to share what, what Maslow discovered in 1943. He's a psychologist. He was studying what motivated people, like what, what causes them to act the way they do, why are they doing what they do, and he initially came up with this list of five needs that eventually got expanded. By the time that he died, he expanded it to eight things that every single person needs. 
And on this list, you'll, you'll see yourself. You'll begin to understand why you behave a certain way, how you're interconnected with others around you. In fact, it's important for us to understand this as the church because marketing uh, firms understand this, governments understand this, and because they understand it, they understand how to manipulate you and motivate you to make a purchase or do a thing, okay? So it's important that you understand this. So here we go. Uh, the, the hierarchy of needs is like this. The very first grouping is called deficiency needs, deficiency needs, and the first number on that uh, or the first item on that is physical needs. If you're taking notes, physical needs. So physical needs are your basic needs, your need to eat, your need to breathe, your need for water, uh, your need for clothing, and your need for, to have like a roof over your head. These are very basic needs, that if these needs are unmet in your life, that nothing else matters, right? That you will spend all of your time and all of your effort and all of uh, your energy meeting these needs first, that's why, like, when people are, are, are hungry, what happens to them? <laughs> they get angry, right? Or we call it hangry, right? It's because this very basic need is not being met that we are now not ourselves and behaving in a different way. What motivates us? So our basic needs, and I'm not giving people permission to be a jerk when you're hungry. I'm just saying this is why you may feel like being a jerk. You may feel like the, the propensity or the temptation to to, to be that way. But, but nothing else matters unless these needs get met. That's why at Simple Church, one of the things that we are looking for, when we look for ways to serve in our community is let's find a need. Let's find a need in our community and let's meet it. Because we can't meet people's spiritual needs. They're just not concerned about those things until their basic needs of food, of, of uh, eating, or excuse me, of breathing, water, clothing, roof, these basic things aren't met they're not going to hear the message that we have. Oh, that's a good place to say amen, everybody. That's all right. You're missing it. It's okay. You're just, you're just taking it all in this morning, right? You're just taking it all in. It's okay. So, so we feel like our responsibility is to find needs that we can meet, and as we find those needs to meet them, we'll have the opportunity to give them the best gift of all, which is a relationship with Jesus. They, we we're going to meet those basic needs. That's why one of our priority relationships that we started with, that we started with this church with, was a relationship with the local food pantry. They get a percentage of every dollar given here automatically. It's in the budget. They automatically give it because we want to make sure that we're feeding people here in our community. We didn't feel like we were called to be a food pantry, but we felt like we are called to partner with somebody who's doing that work. And so we want to fund them. We want to help them, resource them, send them volunteers, and we do. For the last nine years, that has been the case. We partner with Joseph's Coat, do, do drives for them. Joseph's Coat is a place that you can shop once a month for clothing if you need it, for furniture, housewares. They, they just get all these donations, this massive warehouse. We partner to, to meet some basic needs for people. We work with the local Dream Center to help people that are underserved and underprivileged to find a meal, take a shower, have a mailbox. These are very basic things that people need in their lives so that they can take their next steps, so that they can be concerned about their spiritual relationships. During COVID, one, our first response, we started working with the Dream Center and did a feeding program. We were given two meals every day, prepackaged meals to kids in this, in this neighborhood. We had an incredible time. It was Monday through Friday doing that. That was our response. In This Together, which is still running, it's an initiative here. We give people groceries. We paid for their rent. Why? Because these are the most important basic needs to people so that we can reach them with the gospel. We'll stop at nothing short of sin to reach people. Nothing, we'll, stop, we'll stop short of sin, excuse me. <laughs> we'll stop short of sin to reach people. Do everything. Just not sin. 
We meet these needs so we can meet the greatest need of them all, and that's that spiritual hunger. The beautiful thing is that this basic need is God's well aware of it. This, this need for, for food, this need for a roof, for clothing. He's well aware of it, and he has a plan to meet these needs. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 31 through 33. He said, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Basic needs, right? He said, for the pagans run after all these things. The pagans are the people that, that are godless, or, or they serve idols, false gods. They, they run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying, seek first. Hey, guys, if you're concerned about your basic needs, seek me first, and I'll take care of them. Seek me first, and I'll make sure that you're fed. Seek me first, I'll make sure you've got clothing. I'll make sure that you've got drink. Your basic needs are going to be met if you seek me first, which is counterintuitive, by the way, right? That would seem very, like, backwards. Like, well, but I just, I thought you just said we need to meet the basic needs. Well, now he's talking to followers of Christ. He's talking to believers. That if your trust and your faith is in God, then for us, God's got a plan for us. He said, but give attention to me first. Seek first his kingdom. What is God's kingdom? What's his way of doing things? It's his best for your life. And then what's his righteousness? Well, his righteousness is his right way of living, which all of us fall terribly short of. That's why we need Jesus. So give your life to Jesus, and then give your life to God's ways, right? Amen, everybody? This is simple. And if you're willing to do these things, God is like, I'm going to take care of all the rest of the stuff. Make me the priority. Make me the priority. But we look into Scripture, and there's this counterintuitive stuff all throughout Scripture where it just seems backwards. John the baptizer said, he must increase, talking about Jesus, so, so that I can decrease, Jesus said, if you wanted to lead, you have to be a servant of everyone. If you want to be the first, you have to be the last. There's all this upside-down stuff in the Bible that doesn't make sense to us, but it's God's way of doing things. And we need to remember that his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, that what we have to choose to do is just get on board and do them, live them out. He says, when we do that, he'll meet all our physical needs. And then once the physical needs are met, Maslow said, the second thing is our safety needs, our safety needs. So we all have a desire and a need to be safe, right? That's why we lock our doors at night. That's why when our daughters get a job and, and they go work at, you know, far away from you, like at least 10 minutes away, we give them little things of mace. <laughs> this is how you use it. You want to just slide it like this and then point and spray just here. We want to be protected. We want to have safety. We want to get some kind of, maybe some kind of training to protect us. What happens if we don't? Well, then we're vulnerable, that safety need, that, that safety is taken away from us. I remember one of my buddies, he, uh, he came to church one Sunday morning, tossed his keys underneath his seat, forgot to lock his doors, or, or I'm not sure, sure whether that was like a habit for him. He came out after church, and his car was gone. It was gone. Safety gone. Security gone. That's why we, we lock our doors. That's why we keep our keys. They found his car, by the way. It's fine. Some, some kid just decided to take a joy ride in it. We all have the basic need to be safe. And God has a plan for that too. Psalm 91, 11 through 12 says, For he'll command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They'll lift up your hands so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. Man, that's good news. God has plans for your pinky toe, y'all. He cares. Now, I wish you had a plan for the rest of our foot. 
for Legos in the middle of the night. Can I get a witness out there? I wish at my house we had a plan for safety at night. It would just be a nightlight, babe. No. <laughs> Jesus cares about your piggy toes, but Shanda does not. <laughs> God promises to take care of our safety needs, even if my wife doesn't. That's the first few. <laughs> The next deficiency need on that list is our love needs. Man, everybody needs love, don't we? We all want to feel needed. We all want to feel known, seen, connected. We, we all want to be part of something. That's why we find ourselves in circles. You know, God put us in families for that reason, so that we, we would have this unconditional connection. And then, and then we find ourselves in circles of friends. We find ourselves joining clubs with, around the same interests or a team. Or, or we get a hobby and we celebrate that hobby together, or, or, or you know, we we rally around music or fashion, whatever that might be. We 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 just we want to be known. We want to be connected. We want to belong. That's why here at Simple Church, we we're okay with you belonging before you believe. Do you know all the disciples belong before they believed? Jesus just walked up and said, "Follow me," and they were like, "All right, let's go." But it wasn't until much later that they were like, you're the Christ. Where are we supposed to go? You've got the words of life. It took them some time. They belonged before they believed. And we long to belong and fit in somewhere, somewhere we are accepted, be seen, known, and loved. And God has a plan for us to know real love as well. 1 John 4, verse 10 and 19 says, this is love. So pay attention. This is what love is. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent us his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We love because he first loved us. What that means is, is, is that we have the capacity to love the way that God loves us, the way that we all long to be loved, the way that we all long to be accepted. This word love, by the way, is the agape form of the, the Greek word, which means unconditional love. We don't have that within us. God has that kind of love. But when we receive that kind of love from God, we now have the capacity to give that kind of love to someone else. That's why we can walk in spaces where we give grace and forgiveness because we receive that from our heavenly father. We love because he first loved us unconditionally. That love is what creates this family, this church, this community. You belong all of you, you the individual, you belong because we belong. You, you belong here with us. In fact, in the Bible, it says this, that, that Jesus, when he died, says, while we were yet sinners, just like the disciples, while we were yet sinners, Jesus still died for us. He didn't get stretched out on that cross and they, they're holding the nail and getting ready to hammer it. And he goes, wait, 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 before you swing that down, is anybody going to say yes to me? Is anybody going to believe that I'm the Christ? Is anybody going to place their faith in me? And I think if he'd have got one yes, he, it, he'd have said, worth it, let's go. But he didn't do that while we were sinning against him. While we were lost in our sin, Jesus died for us. That's powerful. It's powerful. 
He loved first. He loved completely, and he loved with all of himself unconditionally, and I will tell you, eternally. He loves. And because he loves us, we love. And because of that, you can love as well. That's why we're all here. The next need we have is esteem needs. This is number four. Self-esteem, this is just all about feeling good about ourselves. It's, uh, it's internally uh, feeling good about ourselves. I feel good about what I did. I feel good about how I look. I feel good about my performance. I feel good about my status in, in society. I feel good about it. That's an internal thing. And then there's the externally. I feel you feel good about me, <laughs> that you like me, that, that I'm received well in, uh, in, in company and in community. We want to feel good about ourselves. It's why we wash our clothes. It's why we do our hair. It's why we brush our teeth. We, we look in the mirror before we leave. We ask them, how do I look? Can I get a fit check, please? Right? I'm not asking for one right now. I'm just saying, like, uh, there are two people. Thank you. Stop, but go ahead. <laughs> Self-esteem needs, right? These, these are the basic things. I don't even know what to do. We should leave. I don't know who whistle at me, but let's go. Um, now, these are the basic needs we have, right? So physical needs, safety needs, love, and self-esteem. And you'll, if you'll pay attention to these things, you'll notice that this is the way that the enemy attacks us over and over again, right? Our basic needs, your self-esteem, your worth, do I belong, am I loved, your physical needs, your security needs. The enemy's always looking to steal, kill, and destroy through these ways because if he can disrupt you on a basic level, then you won't care about your spiritual level then you won't care about the next things that come on this list. That's why he works so hard to keep us hungry and hurting, feeling unsafe relationally or physically, isolated and alone, struggling mentally and crushed by anxiety. And that limits our effectiveness and our impact. What happens is we wind up believing as a result of, well, I don't have anything to give and I have no way to serve. Or I can't leave my home because I'm unsafe. Or no one could love me or I could never love anyone again. Or I'm a loser. Why would anybody want me around? I'm not enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not popular enough. They're all lies. All lies that the enemy puts on us because our basic needs are not being met. We get stuck in a cycle of pain that the enemy has brought on us to destroy us and limit our potential. But my Bible says... 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, which if you're a Christ follower, I'm talking about you. You may not be living this, but this is what's the truth about you. That anyone who belongs to Christ, say I'm an anyone. Okay, just so you're clear, you're, you're included in that. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. That old life. Those past mistakes, the pain from it, all gone. The destruction caused, all gone. All of it, it's done with. The new life is a life where you live that God restores you. God heals you. God redeems you. Redemption, by the way, is where God takes the story that you've written so far with your own hand. He takes the pen from you and says, I'm going to go ahead and write a better ending than you ever could have thought with this story. He said, and all this stuff that you've done... All the things that you think disqualify you are exactly what qualify you to belong here. So let me go ahead and just include that in your purpose and your passion and the impact that you're going to make in this life. 
That's what redemption is. That's something to be celebrated at all times. That's the story God's writing. God has called each and every single one of us to make a difference with our lives. Too many of us have let our old lives hold us back. Too many of us are Christian in name only. We've got fire insurance, but we're lacking everything that Jesus paid for us to have fully and completely. The devil would love to keep you trapped by these deficiency needs, these physical needs, your safety needs, your love needs, and your esteem needs. Now, if we go back to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you'll see that they had potential to get trapped here. That they had the possibility of bowing if these needs weren't met. That, that if, if their, their physical needs, their safety needs, and all these things had, hadn't been met prior to, then they may have had a tendency to bow. They may not have trusted God in that moment. They may have bowed with all the... Because there was a whole bunch of other Jews there. These are the only three that stood. Because they, they went through some stuff. You know their story prior to this. They, along with Daniel, they were offered meat to eat that had been sacrificed to idols. And they're like, we don't feel right about this. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go without meat. We're going to eat fruits and vegetables. Kale. Okay, superfood. I don't know. I had never seen no kale rescue nobody or fly off uh, faster than a speeding bullet or bound a building. I've never seen that. Ain't no superfood. They give up meat, refused to eat, ate these vegetables, and said that they were stronger than everybody. They, they looked healthier than everybody. And they, they went through a thing where they trusted God regarding their physical needs. They went through a thing. They've been in danger before. They were already exiled from their country, and God has kept his hand on them so far. Their, their safety was being threatened again, right? Literally thrown into the fire. But they trusted God. What about their love and esteem needs? Man, if anybody was going to struggle, this moment right here when you're around the rest of your friends and your family and you're the only three standing, uh-oh, I no longer belong. Uh-oh. But they had an experience with God through his provision, his protection, his promises, and approval. And therefore, they didn't bow. But the biggest secret of it all was that they didn't stand alone. They didn't stand alone. And my friends, we have to learn to stand with people so that we can stand for people. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood together for what they believed. And in so standing, they made a massive impact on the rest of the world around them. So don't try to stand alone in your faith. They trusted God for all these things. Now, Maslow didn't stop here. Once we got to the, to the end of the physical, the safety, the love, and the, and the esteem needs were all met. The next level is called growth needs, okay? And the first item in the growth needs is cognitive needs. This is our need to, to grow. Uh, we have a thirst and a hunger and a passion for knowledge. This is where we get personal growth plans. I'm going to read a certain number of books and listen to a certain number of podcasts. I'm going to go... I'm going to get training for on the job. I'm going to go to conferences. Like, we start to care about what we know and the impact we can make, and we start to develop ourselves, right? So our basic needs are met, and then we turn our attention to caring about ourselves, our personal growth needs, bettering ourselves through knowledge. And the next uh, item on the growth needs is aesthetic needs, aesthetic needs. Once you've, once you've cared for, for your personal growth, you start looking at the world around you, and you want to start beautifying it. You want to start making the world look maybe as an expression of 
who you are, right? This is why the back of my laptop looks like this. This is an aesthetic thing. I want to, these are things that I care about, the taco shop specifically. <laughs> these are things I care about, places I've been that I've had incredible experiences. Taco shop, St. Augustine, Florida. We've literally talked about just flying there for the weekend so I can have a taco. <laughs> Not even kidding. Allegiant has or had some cheap flights. Some good stuff. You may not think so, but I digress. We begin to make things around us reflect our personality. They say in 2020 that 65% of people engaged in some form of renovation or moved. So let me ask the question. Who here between 2020 and now have actually done a renovation in your home or decided to move? Just by show of hands. Okay. Wow. All right. So that's, that's not everybody, but that's a good number of you, right? We, we decide to beautify the things around us. My wife thinks she's Joanna Gaines, by the way. I don't know if you know that about her. She, want, yeah, she, she wants to be her bestie for sure. But my wife, she likes to beautify old things, broken things. I mean, we've got ladders that have been turned into lights in our house, like an old ladder. Like, not even kidding. We've, we've, uh, jars, discarded medical boxes, windows that used to fit into a barn or to an old farmhouse that are just now, you know, well, you would throw it away, and my wife does not. She recycles these things. Windows, doors, planks. Yes, she should. She turns discarded things into regarded things. I love that. I love that. And she takes perfectly good rooms, and she redecorates them. Every time I go out of town or go to a conference and I'm away for a few days, I come home, and there are drop cloths and things. I came home last night from a three-day conference, and there's my kitchen, which was perfectly fine when I left. The counters are now being redone. Again. She says, she, and I come in the door, and she goes, surprise, as if it was for me. <laughs> and I'm no dummy. So I go, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Thank you. I've been meaning to redo these. <laughs> in fact, other people hire her to do decorations and things. I'm not pimping her out and saying, hey, you need to hire her. It's probably the wrong choice of words. I apologize. But I'm not, I'm not trying to put her and say, hey, hire my wife. I for decorating needs. Let's move on. We get involved in cognitive needs. We get involved in aesthetic needs. All right? Uh, and once our, 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 uh, those, those two needs are met, we move on to the, the next one, which is our self-actualization needs. Uh, this is where, so we, we spend some time growing personally, working on the aesthetics around us, and now we begin to focus on what makes us unique or what makes us special, right? We begin turning our attention to what, what, what do we specialize in, right? So this is oftentimes we take this into our careers or maybe even a hobby kind of takes on a life of its own, right? We, we just begin to identify what makes us unique. And we, Maslow believed at the time that this was the highest level of learning. Unfortunately uh, for him, a lot of psychologists around this time and for years pushed back on him and said, if this is the highest level of living where we figure out who we are, then, then only 1% or 2% of people in the world would ever get here. They, they argued with him because they're like, all these other needs are so hard to make sure they're met in society. They pushed back. But he, he, he believed that it was possible to live a fulfilled life, which I agree with to a point, but it wasn't, it wasn't about just understanding 
here's what makes me special, and here's what's good about my life. There's nothing wrong with self-actualization, but it can't stop there. It really depends on your motivation as to why you're doing this. Uh, because selfishness, if you're, do, if you're growing yourself and, and working on yourself and focused here just on me and what I've accomplished and the house that I have and the car that I drive and the money in the bank, if you just focus on yourself, selfishness is not a sustaining motivator for you to continue doing those things. It's just not. When we remove God from the process, we remove his purposes from our lives, and, and that's no long, it's not about that. Removing God means that everything is just about us. And what will happen is we'll get stuck in this cycle. We'll never, ever get to a place of full fulfillment, of full fulfillment, of fulfillment. We'll never get there because self-actualization is not what will lead us to fulfillment. It just doesn't. We'll never arrive in that place when we decide that everything is just about us. We'll find, like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, it's all pointless. It's vanity. There's nothing to it. It's, it's just meaningless. In fact, Russell Brand, who is a comedian and, uh, and an actor, he recently did an interview on the Jonathan Ross show, and he said this. What I've realized is this. Making loads of money is better than being dirt poor. But the fulfillment I thought I would get from being famous, I didn't really get. This is not just actors. This is awesome. It was terrible. I'm so sorry. Let's just run it back. Pretend I never did it, okay? Of course, it's on video now, and it's out there, but... But Russell realized what so many people who make it, the people that we idolize, the people we say we want to be like, our YouTube stars, our TikTok stars, our, our actors, our wealthy people, whatever, whatever they're famous for, we feel like they've arrived. And if it was really all about self-actualization, you, you defining yourself and excelling in that area, making a name for yourself, making money and all these things, if it was really about that, then people wouldn't search for more. And yet... All those that are without a relationship with God are constantly seeking more. They're not satisfied. For Russell, he, he had fully arrived in Hollywood, married Katy Perry, the pop star singer. Yet he was still unfulfilled and nearly lost it all to drugs, sexual deviancy, and a relational shipwreck that was his marriage. None of it fulfilled him. None of it. And none of it will fulfill you either when you leave God out of the equation and make your life all about you you will miss the point and lack fulfillment. Maslow fi finally figured this out, by the way. Near the end of his life, he said there's, this, there's something that's beyond your, the self-actualization, and it's this fourth thing on the growth needs, and it's transcendence needs. Transcendence needs. This is, this is, this is when, it, when your life isn't about you anymore, that, that your life is about everybody else around you. It's, it's about us taking everything that we've learned, all that we've amassed, every bit of knowledge, every bit of opportunities, and using it to leverage or leveraging it to benefit all those that are around us. Taking every bit of gift that God has put inside of you and giving it all away. That's where there's fulfillment. That's where you'll find it. And I think if Maslow had started in Scripture, he would have got to this, he would have got to this answer way sooner than the end of his life. Jesus said this in Mark 8, 35. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. Like, hey, if everything about your life is spent about you, about bettering me, building my kingdom and my castle, you'll, you'll lose your life. You'll, you'll never be fulfilled. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. If you'll begin investing your life into others, because you realize that life isn't about you, you'll spend your life touching other people's lives, then you'll find this fulfillment that Jesus offers. 
and true life. This is God's plan for you. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. He comforts you so that you can comfort others. He saves you so that you'll be part of saving others. He loves you so that you can love others. He gives grace and mercy and forgiveness to you so that you can give grace and mercy and forgiveness to others. He redeemed your life so that you can help others' lives be redeemed as well. He gives you purpose so that you can help others find their purpose as well. This is transcendence. We begin to live our lives for other people. Your life isn't about you. It's about other people. That's why I'll say this, that someone's eternity is waiting on the other side of your obedience. Someone's eternity is waiting on the other side of your obedience for you to begin living your life for others instead of just letting it be all about you. Following Jesus is great. Like You'll experience incredible blessing, great joy. But until your life, like his, becomes about others, you'll miss out on all that he died for you to have. And I don't know about you, but the price he paid was so great that I want everything that he paid for. That's like, I'm going to go to dinner. Somebody paid for me to have a five-course meal, and I'm only going to have two of them. No thanks. I'm going to have it all. And even if I don't have it all now, it's coming with me because I'm going to have it all later. Right? I don't know why we would leave anything on the table when what Jesus has for us is so much better. So I want you to understand this, that my motivation today isn't coming from a place of like, hey, it's Dream Team Sunday and we need volunteers, hey. Like, I'm not, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. I want you to experience the fullness of a relationship with Jesus and learning to live your life, leveraging it for others is the way to be. Man, the people that sleep the best at night are those people that are living their lives for others. I'm not saying you can't have stuff. I'm not saying you can't be successful on the job and have a great marriage and have a nice house. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is leverage all of that to make a difference in someone else's life. What I want for you is I want you to know why you're here. I want you to know the impact your life can make. I want you to know that your life matters. And I want you to know that when you believe that and you use it to make a difference in others, that changes everything. It brings fulfillment to your life. So how do we do that? All right, great. Glad you asked. Here you go. Number one, I'm closing, I promise. Find your purpose. Find your purpose. It's found in the Bible, by the way, which is God's love letter to, to us, his children. First Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people. Hmm. God's not tolerating you. Somebody needs to hear this today. God's not tolerating your presence. He chose you. Just like my father chose to adopt me and include me into his family. God chose you to be part of his family. You belong, not because you stumbled in here. You belong because he chose you. He loves you. You're a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. God's sitting up in heaven. My precious. It's like, <laughs> you are his special possession. Call him. For real. You are special to him. And then it goes on to say, that you may. He said, hey, I've chosen you, so... You can declare my praises 
So praise is, when you're talking about praise, worship is always this way. It's us, us to God. Praise is always us telling somebody else and celebrating together what God's done in our lives. So I made you, I've chosen you so that you can tell everybody else that I called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Come on, somebody. Oh, this wonderful light. Sorry, I've got a King James translation running through my head. He chose you for this. That's your purpose. We all need to find our purpose. And here it is. God picked you. Said, hey, I want you on my team. I want you to help spread the word that all this darkness you lived in, you're now out of it. He didn't ask you to be a judge or to be the jury or to be the prosecutor. He asked you to be a witness. Say, I was this way, I met Jesus, and now my life is this way. That's a witness. You're just telling your side of the story. That's your purpose, to praise, to share, declare the praises of him. Talk about meeting love and esteem needs, right? You are chosen. Some of you need to take this verse, and you need to make it the lock screen of your phone so that you remember you are chosen. You are a special possession. You need to be stand solid in that identity because, for, unfortunately, some of you have never felt that way in your life. Some of you didn't come from a home where mom and dad told you, I love you every day how special you were. But you need to know that God, the creator of the universe, sees you, knows how special you are, cares about you. Some of you are like, I'm scared to tell people. I'm kind of nervous to tell my story. Kind of nervous to be that witness. That's okay. I'll tell you what, I understand that. Work on it a little bit. Practice telling your story. Get it down to about 30 seconds. If you can. And if you're still too scared to do that, invite them to church. I'll take care of the rest. The Holy Spirit will do what he does. And I'll do what God's called me to do. And we'll invite them to Jesus together. Amen, everybody? That's what we're called to do. That's our purpose. Hey, we're just, we're just, we're supposed to point people to Jesus. That's your purpose. The next thing you need to do that, that you can make a difference is to find your passion. Man, we're all on the same mission, but we're given different assignments, Right? We're all, we're all on a team together trying to win people, reach people far from God, teaching them to follow Jesus step by step. That's what we're doing here at Simple Church. But we've all got different assignments on that mission. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 12. All of you together, Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it, right? Now, my assignment is different than your assignment. There's, there's only a handful of you that God has put a gift in you to, to stand up here and teach and to speak. But, but there's plenty else to do here in the body of Christ. There, there's plenty of of other things, and there's other ways to make an impact because your passions are different from mine. What's your passion? Here's a simple way to know what your passion might be. When you look at the world around you, what angers you about it? I've been able to answer this question since I was a teenager, and it's ignorance. That's why my gift is teaching. That, that I want people to know that loving God is simple. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's way easier than we have made it to be. And that's why I teach and equip the body of Christ. But you, what gets you fired up? Maybe it's to see children raised in the nurture and the love and care of the Lord. Maybe it's feeding hungry mouths. Maybe it's making sure people have clean water. Maybe it's giving addicts new opportunities that, that they've not been able to have because of their, of their past experiences, because of their, their, their felonies and their, their previous decisions. Burn every bridge behind them. You're, I'm going to give you an opportunity. 
Maybe that's your passion. Maybe, maybe it's to end the sex trafficking or, or people that are oppressed or those injustices in this world. Or maybe it's to fight for equality and equity in our society. I don't know. Whatever gets you fired up, that passion, you have a passion. You have a wiring and a propensity towards righting some wrong in this life. And I believe that God has wired you and made you that way. And he's made every single one of us different. How you are wired and gifted matters because your design reveals your destiny. I'll say that again. Your design reveals your destiny. How you are wired inside, it's going to reveal to you where God has for you to make the greatest impact. David knew this. Psalm 139, 14. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, if you look at that verse, that word wonderfully, I'm wonderfully made, it means to be unique, one of a kind. And that word fearfully is that when people, that it's, it's in there to say I'm fearfully made, it's to inspire awe. It's to inspire wonder. Like, wow, look at that. It's like when you see something painted that's beautiful, like, wow. Look, I've never seen anything like this. David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am unique. In other words, when you lean into how you're made, others will see it and there'll be a reverence and awe for God. I'm just saying that verse in a different way. See, the world tells you to be like them, to think like them, to act like them, and in order, in doing so, then you'll be accepted. But God says, no, I made you on purpose with purpose. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. Don't die a copy. Don't be another copy of the world. Be all that God created you to be. In fact, if you don't know how to do that and you're like, Aaron, I still don't know what my passion is, go to Growth Track. First Sunday, directly after service, meet right there. Join Growth Track. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to pay anything. You just come. We'll help you. We'll, step two of the Growth Track is where we give you some assessments to help you understand how God's wired you. We'll help you uncover your passions so that you can live out your life intentionally, on purpose, with purpose. Find your purpose, find your passion, and find your people. You know, there are people that are on the other side of your uniqueness. There's people that you're going to reach that I'm never going to reach is what I'm trying to say. There there are people that you're going to connect with that I just will not be able to connect with. You have circles of influence that I just can't step into. And it takes someone like you, someone that's made like you. They need somebody who's walked through what you've walked through. They need somebody who's hurt like you've hurt, somebody who looks like you, somebody who talks like you, somebody who's lived like you, gifted like you, and loves like you. You have to find the people you will connect with. And when you do, Paul said this to his protege, Timothy. He said in 1 Timothy 6, he said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share in this way. They'll lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So they may take hold of, watch this, not wealth and riches, but life that is truly life. Hey, let's find some people. And then, hey, let's go live out our purpose. Let's make a difference in them. When we find our purpose, we find our passion, when we find our people, we'll find this full and fulfilled life Jesus promised for us to have. Amen, everybody? You want to have the best year ever? You've got to learn to stand. You've got to learn to stand with some people. Let's pray. Father, today we just uh, we come before you, and I, and I know that there that that 
there's different levels of hurt in this room. I know that there's, there's people that even on that hierarchy of needs, that there's some things that have been missing for them. I thank you first that we can trust you to meet those needs, that, that if we put your ways first, that, that if we put pursuing Jesus, pursuing your best for our lives, that you promised all those things would be taken care of. God, as we trust you with our lives, we pray that, Lord, if we, if we don't know it yet, that we can get connected with and really believe that we have a purpose here in this life. And that purpose, of course, being to tell other people about you. Actually, I, I love what uh, one of my favorite theologians said. He said that our, uh, the reason for our life here is to enjoy you eternally and to glorify you and point people your way. So, so God, help us to, to live our life on purpose. And then, Lord, for those of us that, that are looking for a passion, where do we fit in? We want to be part. We want to we be part in a way that, man, it gets us excited to serve others, to, to leverage all that we have, something we're willing to give it all for. And I pray that that would be in, in eternal ventures. But, Lord, I pray that you would show us specifically how to make that a kind of eternal difference with specifically how we're wired. Help us to fan that into flame. Give us wisdom, insight, awareness, understanding of how to be intentional in those pathways. And then, God, I pray that you would connect us with the people. Lord, you know that I walk into certain places and spaces, and I'm just praying for the one. Lord, show me the one today. If you just show me one, I know that I've lived out my purpose today, and I'm thankful, thankful for your faithfulness. And I pray that we, we begin living with that kind of purpose and passion. God, show me the one today. Show me this, the one that I can make a difference in, that I can pray with, that I can encourage, that I can serve, that I can bless. Show me the one. I don't know why I'm in this meeting today, God. I don't know why, I was, why traffic was backed up and I was late for work today, but I, show me the one. I don't know why it seems like I'm going through hell right now on earth. But show me the one. We want to trust you in, in that way. Help us today. In the, same, in the same attitude of prayer. I just want to speak to those of you that, that may be in this room. You, it's like, Aaron, you know, relationship with God sounds awesome. Living out my passion and purpose making a difference in people's lives eternally. That sounds like what I want to do, but I'm not even, I don't even have a relationship with God. Maybe, maybe you did at one point in time and you've walked far from him. This is an opportunity for you to surrender your life to him, to trust his ways, to receive forgiveness and grace. God's not mad at you. His mercies are new every morning. You cannot exhaust them. Nothing you've done so bad that you can't have a relationship with God. There's nothing you've done so bad so often that eliminates you from a relationship with God. His love is unconditional, and it's here for you today. So if you're ready to pray that prayer, whether you're in this room or you're watching online, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. Everybody's going to pray it out loud together, but I'm encouraging you to join us in that prayer. In fact, if you're going to join me in that prayer, 
Nobody's looking around, but would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm making that commitment today. I'm going to follow Jesus. It might be imperfectly. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. I'm going to follow. I'm going to do it imperfectly, but I'm going to trust God's grace is greater. And I'm going to link up with you crazy people, and we're going to make a difference together. So let's do that together. Let's pray. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you and to tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says heaven's having a party. Come on, Simple Church, celebrate with those that said yes to Jesus today. It's a good day. Now, if you made that commitment today, uh, I'm going to ask you to make the second best decision you can make. Grab a Connect card, fill it out. If you're online, use the digital Connect card. There's a place to mark and said, I said yes to Jesus today. We're not going to harass you. We really just want to connect with you and help you understand your next steps on your spiritual journey. A completed Connect card, just drop off at the Connect Center today or drop it in the give box in the back. Uh, that, that helps get it to our team that will help you with those next steps. We want to welcome you to our family. We want you to be part of what we're doing here today. And, uh, and I believe that, that that'll make a huge difference in your life as well. So please, please make sure you do that. Uh, at this time, we're going to give an opportunity for you to know how to give. If the Lord is speaking to your heart or you've made a commitment to give, uh, the, there's a give box in the back of the room, which is well lit up. Look at that right there. Isn't that beautiful? Like uh, we're, we're working with this, reno this unrenovated space. And I said, you know what? We need a spotlight on that. And daggone it, they didn't do it. They made it very clear where that is, this beautiful thing. Uh, you can also give digitally, and we appreciate all that. Again, stop by the Grow Group tents on your way out. Talk to some leaders about their group and what they're doing. Make sure you pick up your kids and thank a kids worker, okay? Uh, it's a cool environment, but uh, it would be good if you remembered to pick up your kids first on your way out. Amen, everybody? Make sure you join us this last week for 21 days of prayer and fasting. Let me pray for us. If you need anything, prayer uh, at all, the available pastoral team will be right here to meet you and pray with you. Jesus, thank you for the work of your spirit in our hearts and lives today. We love you, God. You're doing such an incredible thing. We're looking forward to having the best year ever. Be with us this last week as we fast and we pray and prioritize our relationship with you. And I know so many of us are reaping the benefits of that. Lord, we're so thankful for it. Be with us uh, this week. Help us all get home safely. I know there's a snowstorm coming. And uh, so let everyone get where they're going safely. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Separate us from